0: Amen. You know, I'm so thankful that God changes everything. I think a lot of times in our lives, we let him change some things. We give him access to certain parts of certain things. And I think if God could tell you anything this morning, it would be that he wants access to it all. That If you'd give him the opportunity to step into the middle of every area of your life, he could bring change in ways that you never thought were possible. So I'm going to pray for us, pray over us as we get ready to open God's word together, that God would illuminate those areas of your heart that might be withheld from him, that you would grow in your relationship. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your grace this morning. And God, we just come to you right now as we get ready to open your word, and we lay down any distraction, anything that is not from you, and we just simply say, God, you can have it all. God, we ask that our lives would never be the same, but we would be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. High five somebody around you as you sit down. Tell them good morning. You can tell them they look like they lost weight. It is so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I just want to say welcome to you on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here at Propel Church. We are honored and thankful that you chose to be here with us at Propel Church. And if you are a first-time guest, again, we're not going to point you out or make you feel weird. Uh, We're just thankful that you're here. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? (laughs) Amen. Amen. And for those of you who are tuning in online with us this morning as well, we're thankful for you. Uh, I would tell you one of the things that we believe here is that Church Online is a supplement, not a substitute. And so if you ever find yourself in Mount Pleasant, North Carolina, we'd love to spend a Sunday morning with you. Because being in person makes a really big difference. It's one thing to watch online. We're in a great technology era of the church, but when you get in the house of God, when you get around God's people, there's something that happens in the atmosphere, and it makes a really big difference. We are wrapping up a summer series today. During the summer here at Propel Church, we just have a lot of fun. We don't really uh, do a message series because we realize that vacation is a thing, and a vacation is from God. Can I get a good amen? So we let you travel and you do all that stuff and and so we don't want to bind you with a message series so we keep it all standalone weekends but now we're wrapping that up because next week we kick off 21 days of prayer which is a staple for us as a church we believe in the power of prayer we believe that when we pray God moves in ways that we didn't think were possible and so uh, we do it twice a year we do it once in January and once in August I'll give you some more information about that later on but as I was thinking about what to do this morning, I was thinking about what do you teach on on the last week of summer? The thing that God kept bringing back to my mind was, was money. Now, here's what I know about money. Whenever you start talking about money in the church, people get a little bit uncomfortable, a little uptight. So I want you to do me a favor. Take a deep breath. And let it out. Whew. We're going to talk about money. We're not doing a special offering or anything like that today. We just want to teach you uh, God's perspective on money. And as I was thinking about it, it took me back to a story of when I was 16 years old. I started working at Zaxby's. Anybody love Zaxby's? Come on. Yeah, some fried white cheddar bites are from the Lord in Jesus' name. So I love me some Zaxby's. I started there as a dishwasher. You can ask my wife. I hate washing dishes. And so I came to my manager about a month into working at Zaxby's, and I said, hey, look, um, I've got a proposal for you. Um, I feel like my gifts are best suited not in dishwashing. (laughs) I feel like I could really add some value to your kitchen, and if you'll let me, I think I I could be a good benefit out there. So he said okay, and so I transitioned out of being a dishwasher, and I moved to the kitchen. And the way I'm wired, I naturally like to look at an organization and figure out how to work my way through it. So I started just working in the kitchen, and a couple weeks later, I knew how to run the kitchen. So I started running the kitchen, and then there was a communication problem between the front of house and the back of house. Really, they just hated each other, right? (laughs) Anytime something would get wrong, they would blame each other and it would cause all this pain. So I approached my manager again, 16 years old, and I go, hey, look, I just feel like my gifts, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I feel like what I could do is, if you give me the ability, I know how to run the back of house, that's great, but if you let me learn the front of house, then I can get to the front of house. I know how the back of house works. I can figure out how to fix the communication issues that we're having. He says, sounds like a good idea. In two weeks from now, we'll train you on how to do the front of house stuff. So I'm like, perfect. The next night, um, three people called in sick. And so he looked at me, he handed me a headset. He smiled and said, good luck. (laughs) So I take the headset, I put it on, and the first time I had the opportunity to figure out how the headset worked was for the first order that I took. I'm standing there taking this order and I'm looking at this touchscreen, which the only thing I've done is, is I know how to clock in and I know how to clock out on. And now I'm punching in orders and I'm doing this. And one of the things that I realized in that moment was I had been entrusted with all of this responsibility, but I had no clue how to use it. I had no clue how to steward it in the way that my manager would want me to. And, and I think a lot of times when it comes to our money, we're in the same boat. We find out that God's entrusted us with money or that he's blessed us with all these resources. We just go, man, I don't know what to do with it. Like I hear these words about tithes and I hear this word offering. And then I, I know that the... The, the buckets that are in the bag, those are for the offering, but really it's tithe and It gets really confusing. Right. And so we don't know what to do with God's money. When we don't know what to do with God's money, we end up doing whatever we think is best. And sometimes in our best efforts to do what we think is right, we actually are misled. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 25 with you this morning and open up God's word because I think it's in God's word that you and I find the truth that we need to overcome uh, not knowing what to do. So Jesus kicks it off in Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 and he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is traveling from a far country. Whenever you look in Scripture and see this phrase, for the kingdom of heaven is like, you need to know that what Jesus is doing is he's trying to paint a picture for people who don't understand how things work in God's economy. So if you ever felt like, man, I just don't understand this God stuff, the good news is that's exactly who Jesus is talking to. He's like, you don't understand how finances work, so let me give you an illustration. Let me paint you a picture. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave another one, and, then, and, and to another he gave two, and then to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. First thing that I have for you this morning, if you're taking notes, is we are entrusted with money according to our ability to steward it. We are entrusted with money according to our ability to steward it. So he comes and he's saying, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God has resources. He comes to you and he gives you and I money. Some of you, he gives you five. Some of you, he gives you two. And some of you, he gives you One, now you can be incredibly angry, you can be frustrated, but it doesn't take you and I a lot to look at the economy and realize the way things work in the area of finances is not based on fairness. And I wonder if the reason why God hasn't given you more money is because he knows you can't currently steward what you have now. Because he says that what you and I are entrusted with is according to our own ability. So he entrusts them with money what he knew was their Ability, but he still gives them the opportunity to do something with it. You and I have been entrusted with resources by God. Jesus, in other passages of Scripture, will say that we've been given time, talent, and treasure. So God has entrusted each of us with time. He's entrusted you and I. We don't have an infinite amount of time. We don't even know if tomorrow is promised to us. Paul says that life is but a vapor. It's here one day, and it's gone the next. Time is something that God has entrusted with us. And, and, and I think time is something that we overlook most of the time. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I hate when people show up late to stuff. I, I'll just give you a pet peeve of mine. Like if, if you and I are meeting together and you show up late, I automatically think you're disrespectful. Yeah. And, and here's why. Time is the only thing you can take from somebody that they can never get back. So it matters what you do with your time. God's entrusted us with time. Second thing, God's entrusted us with talent. There's gifts and things that God has placed inside you that are connected to your purpose. There's abilities, the thoughts that you have, the ways that you're wired were not given to you just to glorify and honor yourself. They were given to you by God to glorify God. I consider everything that I have on loan from God. He's the one that owns it but he's entrusting me to do something with it. He, your treasure, your resources are the same way. The money, what Scripture teaches us is that everything comes from God. So all of my money like, do you work for it? Yes, but it's not for you. Right. You've worked for it. You've earned it. You make a living, but everything comes from God. And we're entrusted with money according to our ability to steward it. He goes on in verse 16 and he says, Then... He who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. So a talent, if, you, if you're looking for a numerical term in this passage of Scripture, a talent would translate to about $30,000, uh, $30,000 30, U.S. dollars. So to one man, he entrusted $150,000. Come on, how many of y'all would be like, I would love to be that man, <laughs> To another, he entrusts him with $60,000, and to one, he entrusts him with $30,000. So we get to this part of the story, and it says that the man invested. So uh, God actually cares about what you do with the money you've been given. Investing is not something that we just created in America. Investing is a biblical principle. He says he he had $150,000, and rather than just sitting on it, he did something with it. And that $150,000 turned into $300,000. That's a really good day. (laughs) He goes on to say that the man who had two received two more. So the man turned 60,000 into 120,000. That's a really good day. But he who had received one, he went and dug a hole in the ground and he hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord called those servants and they came to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and master, he said, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Second thing, if you're taking notes, is that one day we will stand before God to settle accounts. So he says, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a guy who has some money, and he goes and he entrusts it with his servant. But make no mistake, one day he's going to come back and settle accounts with the people who he's entrusted his resources with. I I don't really have to like that. It's part of truth. It, It says that he's entrusting them, but then he comes back to settle accounts. And one day, each and every single one of us in this room will stand before God, and he'll ask us two questions, one about salvation and one about stewardship. The question of salvation is, did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because what we read is the only way that we get access to God is through Jesus Christ. Salvation only happens through Christ alone. It's not by good works. It's not by human efforts. It's not by anything other than Jesus. So if you're relying on something else, if you're relying on being a good enough person or giving enough money or just reading your Bible enough, can I tell you God wants you to read your Bible but he doesn't love you any less if you don't. Come on. That's good. Salvation is not based on human effort. So there's a salvation question, but the second question is, what did you do with what I entrusted you with? One passage of Scripture tells us that when, when we stand before God, everything that we've done with our lives will be refined with fire, and the things that last will determine the blessing we receive on the other side of eternity. That you and I aren't living our lives to store up just treasures on earth, but we're making an investment into the kingdom of God that pays dividends on the other side of eternity. It makes a difference one day we 'll settle accounts with God, so there's one man who goes and he invests his hundred and fifty thousand and he turns it into three hundred thousand and the other one turns sixty thousand into one hundred and twenty that's a great return. I believe that God cares about what we do with the resources we have. This is past money. I mean you have other things outside of just money. you have time you have. Talents that God's blessed you with. For some of you, you're business owners. And you'll have to give an account to God for how you stewarded the business that he entrusted you to oversee. Continues on in verse 23. And so the Lord said to him, those who, he's talking to the man who did five talents and the man who did two talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Now enter into the joy of of your Lord. What's really interesting about this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, is we see it another time in scripture as well. I'm I'm just going to reinforce the fact that The questions that God and you are going to talk about are salvation and stewardship because Jesus says when you get to heaven, if you know him, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now we see this concept of stewardship and we see the same phrasing used there, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but I think if I could sum up my life for what I want to hear when I get to heaven, it's well done. Like, I didn't waste my time. I didn't waste my resources. I I used it to make an eternal impact, and I hear, well done, good, and faithful servant. And then he says, because you've been faithful with little, I'll put you over many things. Now enter into the joy of the Lord, because joy comes from doing the will of the Father. Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples in John chapter 4. He's just had this encounter with a woman at the well, and and uh, and they leave because they didn't want any, they were, they were hungry so they go out and they get Jesus some Subway and so they pick him up some Subway they come back and they're like Jesus we got you some Subway and Jesus says I don't want Subway for Subway is nasty that's the first <laughs> that's the first opinions passage and he says I I don't, I don't need any food so the disciples are going who fed him and he says I, I don't I don't need your food my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. So maybe the reason why you lack fulfillment in your life is because you're not doing God's will. Maybe the reason why there's this longing and this hunger and this desire for, for something better and something greater is because you haven't yet tapped into the will of God. And when you leverage your resources to make a difference in the kingdom, you begin to walk into the joy of the Lord. Matthew verse 25, verse 24 says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and you gathered seed where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your money, hid your gold into the ground. You and I have to be really cautious with the decisions that we make based on fear. Because fear is never a motivator that comes from God. So he's telling us about how the kingdom works, and he's telling us about money, and he's telling us about how we steward and how we, this man, hoards. And he says the reason why he hoarded was because he had fear. He says, I knew who you were. But when we look at the passage of scripture, the only thing we know is that there's a man, a master, who chooses to give his servants money and then leave town. I don't know about you, but I see that as generosity. Because when I leave town, I don't leave my money with people. I take my money with me. He says, this is what we know about the master. The master is generous. The master is, is, is at least caring and compassionate enough to leave them with some money. You don't have to give servants money, but he chooses to give servants money. And as he trusts them with resources, he comes back and he says, I knew that you were like this, so I was afraid. But that's not how fear works. See, fear causes you and I to think things about God that are not of God. So when he has fear about who God is, who the master is, he looks back and makes decisions based on fear that don't line up with the character that we know about the master. And how often do you and I do that? Do we look at our finances and we look at our resources, we look at things like our our checkbook and we get so afraid that we don't know if we're going to make it, that rather than trusting God with our finances, we just hold on to it. So he held on. In fact, you could even propose through this passage of scripture that he did an okay job, because he didn't waste the money. He didn't go buy out, he had thirty thousand dollars and he didn't spend a dime of it. How hard would that be for most of us? He didn't treat yourself or none of that. I mean, he is there. The master comes back. He gives him back the $30,000. He says, because I was afraid. So here, here's what belongs to you. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. And when I read that passage of scripture, I I don't like that word. It kind of hurts a little bit. Because I know that there's been areas in my finances, I know that there's been areas of my life where rather than stewarding and investing the things of God, I've just held on to them. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom's like. You knew I harvested where I have not sown and I gathered where I didn't scatter seed. Well, you should have put my money in the bank so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. The third thing that I have for you this morning is that God cares more about your stewardship than he does your faithfulness. So in this passage of Scripture, by all accounts, this man was faithful with what he had been given. He maintained it. He stayed the course. He didn't touch it. But when the king came back to get an account for what he had done, and he gave him his one, he said, You wicked and lazy servant. Some of us are just hoarding the things that God has given us. Like, for example, if you're here and, and this is a place that you call home and, and you're not using your gifts and your talents to serve others, you're holding on to the things of God. And one day, you're going to stand before God and give an account for that. God wants you to steward the things that he's given you. God wants you to leverage the gifts, the talents, the money, and the resources to make a difference. Settling for just hoarding is not enough in the eyes of God. He desires you and I to be good stewards of it. So investing typically happens in two ways through the local church. It's in conversations about tithes and in conversations about offerings. So let me talk to you about tithing for a second. I told you we're not taking up a special offering or anything like that. I really believe in tithing. Tithing means 10%. In fact, if you look at the Bible, there's 10% of the Bible is actually all about money. It's not by accident. It's intentional. God cares about the principle of tithe, but tithing is way more than just a 10% principle. It's a first fruits principle. It's trusting God with my first, knowing that he's able and capable to, stu- to take care of the rest. And we believe that the tithe goes to the local church. It's 10% of my income to the local church. Malachi talks about the storehouse. Here's why it matters that you give it to the local church and not just any organization. A lot of times what we do is we go, okay, I'm faithful and I'm tithing, but we list out five or seven different organizations that, that we like, and we go, that's where my tithe goes. If you determine where your tithe goes, you're still the one in control of your money. Oh. God's not. If I list out, I'm going to give it to this place and this place and this place and this place, I'm still in control. If you're watching online and you have a home church, your tithe goes to your home church. Right. We, we don't need your money. God wants you to live out a biblical principle, and tithing goes to the local church. And it's not just to the local church. You give through the local church because it's God's money. We believe that investing in the local church is God's investment portfolio. It's what he created. It's what he believes in, and it's what he's coming back for. That's the tithe. 10% of your income, first fruits to the local church. But then there's this thing called offering, and offering is anything above 10%. And that's given, you can give it to the local church, but you can give it to other kingdom-focused organizations. I think it matters that the organizations that you invest into are making a difference for the kingdom of God. Because if they have a full belly but they don't know Jesus, they still end up in hell. So it matters the resources and things. So I l- give them a full belly, let's give them Jesus at the same time. And there's plenty of organizations that do that. So So you're offerings or anything above 10%. I like to say that generosity begins at 11%. If you're tithing, it doesn't mean you're generous. It just means you quit stealing God's money. It makes you obedient. (laughs) But 11% is where you get to tap into generosity. And I I believe that God uh, blesses that tremendously. So uh, I was looking and praying and I was like, all right, God, let me, I want to teach about tithes. I want to teach about offerings because I think people don't really talk about it. They just kind of expect people to understand it and, and then they move on. And I came across the passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 19, which by all accounts looks like the same story, except there's a different currency of money that's used. Matthew 25 is all about, the, it's called the parable of the talents, Luke chapter 19 is the parable of the minas. And in the parable of the mina, what you need to know before we read this is that a mina is about 500 U.S. dollars. So a talent, 30,000, mina, 500. There's a guy who has a mina and then the master leaves and then he comes back and now we're giving an account. And so Luke chapter 19 verse 16, the man says, the first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more minas. Well done, my good and faithful servant. His master replied, "Because you have been trustworthy with a very small matter, take charge of ten cities." And I read this passage of scripture, and I was like, "Man, that—that's really why. Why would the the dollar amount decrease, but the blessing increase?" And I want to show you a side by side, really quick. So, Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse twenty through twenty-one. The man comes back to the master and he says, See, I have gained five more. And his master says, That's great. You've been faithful with that. Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. Luke 19, Sir, your mina has earned ten more mina. And he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'll put you in charge of cities. I felt like as I was reading those two passages of Scripture, the thing that God was showing me is that how you think about your money determines the blessing you receive. I gained five more minas. God, you gave me money, and I I used it, I stewarded it, I invested it, I, I gave it to the local church. He says, I'm so thankful that you were faithful. I'm so glad. Good job. Well done. I'll put you in charge of things. The focus is, I did it, I did it, I did it. Luke 19, Master, your mina, your money, your resources earned you more resources. And he says, if you know not just how to give, but how to create a culture of wealth, how to steward generosity, then I'm going to entrust you with cities. Amen. And I believe that this is the difference between tithing and offering. That you and I, by tithing, are entrusted with things. But when we choose to give God access to everything above the tithe, God places us in charge of cities. He entrusts us with even more. One guy was all about faithfulness, and God gave him things. The other knew whose money he stewarded, and he was handed cities. I believe that the decisions you make now break the bondage and yoke of finances off of your children. So, so, so let me show you. You tithe faithfully. Guess what? You'll have a great house. You give above and beyond. You allow God to have access to the other 90% of your income, and I believe your children and your children's children get houses. Because things fade, but kingdoms impact. Right. And I believe God wants to entrust you with cities. I believe that God wants to, to give you and I blessing upon blessing because what we do with what we have determines the legacy we leave. So let me ask you this Would you rather be given things or entrusted with cities? We do this at Propel Church. We tithe faithfully. I've made the statement from the very beginning. We will never ask you to do something we're not willing to do ourselves. So we give 10%. But we made the decision a few years ago that 10% wasn't a stopping point, that 10% was just the starting point. And we started giving 12%. And last year, thanks to the faithfulness and the stewardship of the finance team here at Propel Church, we were able to give 18% of our income away. And God was blessing us and blessing the things. And and we saw God do so many incredible things. I I love the fact that in this passage of Scripture, when we see him hand the man things, he says, I'll give you things. I'll entrust you with things. But in the Luke chapter 19 verse, he says, take charge of cities. The difference is when you start to give access to God for all of your finances, he trusts you to make moves on his behalf you carry his heart. It, it's the difference between parents, you know, when your kids are growing up and, and you have to cook them like every meal, but then there's that one day where you start to trust them to use the stove for themselves and now they get to cook their own meal and you're like, praise the Lord. <laughs> I think that's the difference between just tithing and giving God access to everything. Right. I that now God trusts you to make moves on his behalf. He trusts you to take charge of cities, to step in to opportunities for him. Luke chapter 19, again, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. He understood who everything belonged to. Because you've been trustworthy, take charge of 10 cities. I think this is the difference between tithes and offerings. And hear me say this, I love tithing. I believe in tithing. I think you should tithe but if you're still the one in charge of the rest of your 90, I don't think you understand tithing. Like I think you're still missing it because the whole purpose is that God would have complete access to everything. That's the beauty of the New Testament tithe is that everything that I have comes from God because it was given to me by God. And I think if we understand that it's his money and I allow God to use it, it advances his work and does things that I never thought were possible. For me, this principle came to pass in my life, um, in 2014. Tori and I got married. We got married in, on January 11th of 2014. I didn't stutter. I remembered. <laughs> She's incredible, and uh, so we got married and and. We went on our honeymoon, we go up to Pigeon Forge, and we're on the ride home, and we're crossing through uh, into North Carolina from Virginia, and she gets a phone call that she has lost her job. We've been married for like five days, (laughs) and I'm mad. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm serving as a youth pastor. I'm making like 400 bucks a month. So so there's like a poverty line here, and we're like, here already. Now we ain't got no money, more no money. See, can't even do English. We was broke, broke. You ever been like so poor you just poe because you can't afford the other two letters? That's where we were. So I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I'm thinking he's going to give me a business idea. He's going to give me a, a new opportunity to step into. And, and then this income's going to be made up and I'm going to be able to work my way out of it. That's perfect. He says, don't quit giving. That was all I got. I thought to myself, Man, I don't I don't really like that word at all. Tori and I talked about it and we said, okay, like this is, this is a year of faith. This is a year where we're trusting God for the impossible. And so we started, we were already tithing, but we just gave God complete access to our finances. And I want to tell you, it wasn't always easy. I was standing in line at Walmart one time and there was a lady in, in front of me and I felt like the Lord had said, Hey, I want you to buy her groceries and I was really hoping he was talking about the lady that was in front of her, because hers was like $5, and the next lady's was like 120 She's a full cart. She's rolling up, and I'm like, I'm not going to buy her groceries. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I feel, like, I feel like he's saying, buy her groceries. I'm like, I'm not going to buy her groceries. So I wait, arguing with the Lord. She swipes her first debit card, and it gets declined. I say, I'm still not going to buy her groceries. She swipes the second debit card and it gets declined. She goes to the third one and it gets declined. And and I realized in that moment that this is what God was talking about. He said, Give me everything. And so I stepped up to the plate and I swiped my card begrudgingly. There wasn't any joy in my heart. I was was thinking, I'm going to step up to the plate and swipe my card. We're going to be in the same position. I swiped my card. Goes through and I leave that day. Next day, have a conversation with my grandpa, and he says, Hey, this sounds strange. He's never said this to me before in his life. He goes, I feel like the Lord wants me to give you $400. I trusted God in one area, and He brought blessing and provision in another. That year, Tori and I had a combined income of $16,000. We got ready for tax season. And uh, on paper, my dad calls me. He says, he's doing my taxes. He says, man, I, I can't file this. I said, why not? He said, on, on paper, you have documented that you gave away over 50% of your income. How did you guys live on eight grand? I, I got to be honest, I don't know. That was a year we took three vacations. We bought a new washer and dryer. We went on date nights once a week and It wasn't because we had an overflow of money. It's because we had a God whose finances were bigger than our bank account. And the next year, after that whole year of chaos and figuring out finances, 2014, 2015, Tori and I plant Propel Church. I think God had entrusted us with some things. But because we were willing to be obedient and give him everything, I think he entrusted us with the city. Because to date, over 600 people have made decisions for Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks to Propel Church. And I don't tell you that because I'm like, man, I think I, I got it all figured out. or that. I'm just telling you that, that if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God, you've got to give him access to it all. So what do I want you to do today? Allow God to have complete control over what he's entrusted you with. For some of you, this is the area of finances. For others of you, it's your gifts. For others of you, it's your investment portfolio. I, I don't know what it is, but here's what I know. If you allow God to start using what you have to advance his kingdom, it comes back tenfold. It multiplies and advances his mission and the blessing and favor of God overflows your life. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to just open your word today and unpack some biblical truth. We believe that as we trust you financially that things begin to change in the atmosphere of our life. So Lord, I pray for those people right now who have been withholding some finances, withholding resources, withholding the gifts and talents. Lord, I pray they'd surrender everything. I pray that the decisions today that we make would impact the future cities that you're going to call us to plant churches in. I thank you, Lord, that your desire is to entrust us with cities. So, Lord, we pray in advance for the people of Mount Pleasant, knowing that you're still at work in this place. We pray for the city of Locust, believing that thousands of people will come to know you. We pray for Richfield. We pray for Midland. We pray for Concord. We pray for Albemarle. We pray for Harrisburg, believing that as you entrust your people with cities, not even the gates of hell can prevail against the local church pray, God, that you'd flood us with confidence and peace. Even when we have fears and we don't know how to trust you or take that next step, we would know you're a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You're a God who has unlimited resources and is able to financially take care of us in whatever ways you see fit. We love you and we trust you. And there's some of you here today who... We talk about God not having control of your finances, but the truth is God doesn't even have control of your life. And you've been trying to figure out every way to make this thing work and, and if you're anything like me, you've realized that, man, if you're the one that's in control of your own life, you do a pretty good job of messing it up. But maybe today's the day where you surrender control of your life. Generosity isn't just a A money term. Generosity is what is on the heart of God. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave. He was willing to bankrupt heaven on your behalf and my behalf so that Jesus could come, live on this earth a sinless life, die in our place so that we could have new life in him. Today there's an opportunity for you to respond to Jesus, to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you're here today and you would say, hey Pastor, I I know I'm still the one in control of my life, but I want to surrender my life to God. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I, I've walked away from God, but today's the day where I'm, I'm coming back. I don't even know what that looks like right now, but here's the good news for you. The invitation is just to follow. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to take that one step towards God today, and it can change everything. If that's you in here, would you just boldly lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. I see those. See, it was all around this room. Hands are going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, church, we're not going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this loudly with me? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. today I give you my life. Amen. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, stand on your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions this morning. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to sing a song. It's called Hope Has a Name. And as you sing it out, I just want you to to thank God for what he did on your behalf through Jesus. Let's worship.